Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise and create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know the Biden administration vetoed a bill, its first veto, that directly impacts pre-retirees and retirees and really anybody saving for retirement right now. And there's a lot of bad information out there, folks. So today we're going to dissect that and dig into the particulars and uh, help you figure out what is going on with this ESG investing. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, Kevin, been helping folks for, uh, well, over three decades. He's uh, an investment advisor representative and independent fiduciary with Silverleaf Financial. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website. That's also where you can learn about Kevin's book. It's called The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. Uh, He'd love you to have that book. He's given it away for free. Just visit the website. You will find out how. Uh, Hi, Kevin. How's it going? It is going very well, Steve, very well. And, and by all means, guys, the, the website is silverleaffinancial.com. You can get the book. You can listen to old uh, old podcasts and a lot of other resources up there, too. We try to keep it fresh. So certainly check it out and let me know what you think. Good idea. And uh, so, okay, we're going to dig into this ESG thing. And, and you know, it, it's kind of uh, it's one of those items that you are either all in or you're all out. I don't think there's much middle ground with this thing, is there? Now, you know, that's what it seems to be. And, and, it, and it's unfortunately something else that's become highly politicized. And, and is, uh, I throw it in there with the culture wars, which frankly, I'm, I'm pretty tired of, I'm pretty sick of. But nonetheless, there's a lot of bad information out there. And there's a lot of people that are spinning this uh, for their own agenda, I would assume. Uh, ESG, for what it stands for, for anybody curious, is environmental, social, and governance. And the veto that, that uh, Biden uh, just stamped all right. It does not require plans to invest according to ESG. It requires them to evaluate and consider ESG investments. There's a big, big difference. There's no requirement to adhere to those guidelines, simply a requirement that they evaluate it and they determine whether or not it's a good idea and whether the returns uh, you know, make sense or the projected returns would make sense. And let me point out something. The S&P 500 has its own 
uh, and you can get this from, you know, I got it from Dow Jones Indices. Uh, the S&P 500 has its own ESG index. Uh, it was launched in January of 2019. Uh, so at the end, uh, beginning of 23, we had, you know, 2019, 20, 2021, and 2022. So we have four years of performance. The cumulative performance of the ESG index was nine percentage points higher than the S&P 500. The S&P 500 in those four calendar years is up 55% uh, cumulatively total, uh, whereas the ESG index was actually up 64%. Okay, you can look it up, research it yourself and see the data. Uh, so don't just shy away from something, guys, because somebody says these letters ESG, you know, just they, they for some reasons, the political parties, they, they want to dumb everything down. They want to break it down. If they can break it down to one word, they will, because because there's a whole bunch of people out there that seem to be programmed to listen for particular words. And so if I say he's a socialist, oh, my God, that's horrible. Uh, if I say somebody's a liberal, oh, my God, that's horrible. All right. Guys, everything needs to be evaluated for what it's offering. I personally can't stand the labels. Um, personally, I'm independent. I have voted Republican and I have voted Democrat. Um, and I'm, I'm independent. I don't subscribe or support one political party. Personally, uh, I try to find the candidates that I think offer the best solutions. And, and lately, there's just been a lot of crackpots out there. Like, I don't, I don't know how these folks are getting elected. Uh, but some of these things they're saying are, are just unbelievable. Um, but I really would, would suggest everybody just look into these things yourself. Research, research it yourself. Try to find some objective websites you can look at. All right. If you're, if you're looking at you know, a lot, some news stations, you know, begins with F and ends with X. It's in my opinion, uh, is a Republican channel. All right. Just like uh, some people say MSNBC is a Democrat channel. Well, those are both facts, Kevin. Those are both facts. I think, I think they are. I think they are. Right. So, so, so if all you're doing is listening to one of those stations, guys, you're being programmed, you're being brainwashed. And, And so what I suggest is listen to multiple news stations read multiple news sources so you can cross check and double check because there's so much BS floating on uh, floating around these days. Uh, it's, it's virtually impossible to know what's real, uh, in my opinion, until I double check it and triple check it. And so that's what I do. I, I had, I heard some research saying, Oh, ESG is terrible. You know, it, it underperforms. I did the research myself and it took me about five minutes to see that at least the S and P 500 ESG index beat the S and P 500. Uh, over four years by nine percentage points. So that doesn't mean all of them are better. And it doesn't mean all of them are worse, right? Mm-hmm. There's always, there's always going to be good performance and bad performance. So what, what the rule does, what the law does is tell, tell the retirement plan people, you need to consider it. All right. It's not forcing them to go down that path. It's just forcing them to evaluate it and consider it. Big difference between that and what's being spun out there by some uh, other, other people. So take a look at it. Then make a decision if you if you believe in it or not, or if you want to support it or not. Uh, personally, what I've done a lot of times in my career, you know, I've had a lot of people. I've been doing this since 1990, so 33 years and counting. Uh, and I've had a lot of people over that period of time. You know, uh, people that are affluent by nature; those are the ones that are, are clients of somebody, you know, a financial advisor. Um, and they often have charitable desires, uh, and a lot of times they want to, you know, give money or support a particular cause. And I've had a lot of conversations with people that wanted to find funds or investments that, you know, that are, uh, that are aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And typically what I would tell somebody and what I would suggest is why don't we just try to put a pure, un- unfiltered, unadulterated view of, of finding the best possible investments. 
let's find the best possible investments, get the best returns we can, along with the risk and safety that people are looking for. Let's get the best returns we can so we can grow your portfolio. And then at the end of the day, you can take out whatever money you want to take out and donate it directly to the cause. All right. And then I tell them, go to Charity Navigator and make sure it's a good charity that the majority of the money actually goes to the cause. All right. Because guys, if you're, if you're, if you're investing charity wise with anybody that's a celebrity, an actor, an actress, an athlete, all right, be very careful because those typically are the worst charities. All right. There was a uh, God, who was it? One of the basketball players. I can't think of who it was right now. Um, but they dug into his charity and found out it's something like less than 20% of the money actually goes to the cause. The <laughs> other 80%, you know where it goes, Steve? His pocket? His family member's pockets. Oh, even better. He's generous. Because that's, that's who he put on the boards and as the employers, as the you know president, CEO of his charity, his foundation, all right? Mm -hmm. It's his family members. And so that's where the money's going. Sure. Um, all right. So take a look at these things. But- you know, you can certainly invest along with your, your your charitable ideas. But like I said, my my preference, let's get the best portfolio. Let's build the best portfolio we can. And then after time, whatever money you want to donate, just find a really good charity and donate it directly to them. That's right. my, pers my personal two cents. I think that's that, that makes sense, Kevin. And I mean, this whole ESG thing, environmental, social, uh, social and governance, I mean, it's I, and I agree with you because I know that there are people who want that because that's what they believe in. I get it. But there's yes. also a lot of people that don't, and they don't want to be a part of that. Um, there, 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 so, there is. I would, I, would like, I would personally like them to explain to me why, but I, I do understand what you're saying, though, and I know that. But I don't think a lot of people have thought about it, Steve. I think a lot of them just go with what they hear on their news channel. Well, I think the social part's what gets them because they think that's going to be the whole woke world. Oh, I got you. I right? got you. That's what, that's what sets people off. Yeah, at and, least and, what and, at least what I have been, you know, people that I talk to, uh, that's that's kind of one of the one of the things. Oh, I I I do understand. I've I've got mixed I've I've got mixed feelings on these things. I grew up in a household um, that would be very anti, you know, trans and, and homo. That was not a fan of uh, uh, same sex individual couples. Okay, sure. Say. Well, you know, All that right. was, well, that for the, for the time, that probably was almost uh, the norm. It, it, it was the norm, just like, uh, you know, just like the prejudice and, and behavior and names that we call other races that yeah. aren't the same as ours, right? Sure, exactly. That's a, that's a household I grew up in. And so I thought it was normal, right, when I was growing up. But you know what? I left the house. I went to college. I got an education. And my viewpoints over the last 20 and 30 years have changed dramatically from where they were. I like to say I've evolved, okay? Mm -hmm. Some people like that word, some don't. But I, I have taken the opinion now, I don't really, personally, I don't care what somebody's sexual preference is. Just, you know, don't try to, don't try to persuade me one way or the other. No. But whatever they do in their own house, behind closed doors, I don't really care. Leave the Just, kids and animals alone. Beyond that, you, yeah, I don't care. You got it. I agree. <laughs> and I agree. All right. I agree. But, um, but nonetheless, you know, this is a financial show, so I don't want to die. No, you know, no, no, no. Let's not go, go there go any further down there. Let's just focus on finding the best you know, investments we can and setting yourself up so that you can have the good retirement. And by a good retirement, I mean one that you've got plenty of money to do everything you want to do. Right. And so I think it's important, you know, we, we all hear that there's so many baby boomers, what 10,000 boomers turning 65 every day. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm at the very tail end of that, <laughs> of that 10,000. And, uh, and I can't help, but, you know, be, be doing what I do. I probably, I mean, I think about retirement every day, all day long. Uh, for myself as well as my clients. 
And I think one thing that's important is taking a look. Obviously, when you sit down, when we get together, we're going to talk about the assets you have. So what do you have saved, right? What debts do you have? Do you have any, do you have, do you still have a mortgage? Do you have a car loan? I, I hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we go over all these things. And then we're going to look at, you know, your sources of income in retirement. And the first one that everybody looks at, right, is your social security. And I think it's important that when you calculate your social security into your plan, that you give it a cushion. In other words, uh, most of us have heard now that the social security trust fund is about 20, between 20 and 25% short of meeting its goals in, in anywhere in the eight to 12 year range. It all depends on the economy and how many people, you know, how much goes in, uh, how much money is collected from the payroll tax. Yeah. So if we, so if we go into a recession and more people lose their jobs, then social security trust fund will probably run out of money sooner because there's fewer people contributing to the, you know, paying the payroll tax. Um, you know, and, and my argument, you know, not to go back to being political, I hate that it is. Um, I believe the country is much stronger because of the immigrants that have come here. My family immigrated here from Germany way back in the day. All right. I think immigrants make us stronger. I would like us to increase immigration, legal immigration, not, you know, not criminals, but make them, uh, but increase the numbers we can bring in for the life of me. Guys, we, you know, we educate people here. They get their PhDs, their masters, their doctorates, and then we make them go back to go back to the country they came from. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We educate them. They're smart. They're going to make a lot of money. They could contribute a lot of money to the payroll tax. We need workers to contribute to the payroll tax so, so the Social Security Trust Fund doesn't run out of money. Well, Kevin, I mean, and, those that that juxtaposition of the number of workers versus the number of people on medic or on Social Security. I mean, that's yes. that that. That's growing smaller. I mean, that gap is getting pretty small. It 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 is, and it's and it's. If you go back and you look at the data when Social Security was created up, you know what, ninety years ago, yeah, uh, r- roughly. All right, there there was there was uh, six, seven, eight workers for every person collecting. You know, it was it was a big, big, big number, six, seven, eight to yeah, one. Yeah, right. And, and over time, it's gradually gone down and down and down. And a big part of it is because of life expectancy, right? There's been there's been so many advances in medicine, so many advances. You know, it, uh, people are living far longer now than they thought than they thought you could when they put this together, right? And they mm-hmm. said you could, reach, you know, when they originally did it. Um, and so there's a lot of factors contributing to it. Uh, but but you're right, Steve. No question about it. There's there are fewer workers now. I think the number is more like three to four for every retiree. I'm I'm not sure on that number, but it's significantly less. Um, and and people, of course, are collecting it a lot longer. Than expected. All right. Personally, I'll tell you the way that I believe you can solve this very easily. Go ahead. Is eliminate eliminate the wage cap. Yeah, absolutely. That's. I mean, that get, to me is so easy. Get rid of it, right? Because does everybody know that once you pass about one hundred and sixty thousand in income, you don't you no longer contribute to Social Security. You still pay Medicare. Okay. You know the payroll tax is combined. The majority of it is goes towards Social Security, and a smaller piece, a much smaller piece. Uh, it's like what something six something for Social Security and one something yeah. for Medicare, something like that. Uh, yep. You know, so so roughly, right? Uh, but once you pass one hundred sixty thousand in income, they're no longer contributing to Social Security. Okay, why? Why? Why is? And, yeah. And why is that? <laughs> and, that's and that, so, I mean, that's always seems silly to me. It well, I think of the politicians. They all make more than one sixty, right? Yeah. Sure. And so I, I, the way I look at it is, you know, they say, I don't want to keep on, I, I want more money for myself. And, and so, but the fact is all of the people making more than 160 grand, and it's not a lot, it's some, I think that's six or 7% of the population. Yeah. Right, but think about this guys, you've got somebody making 150,000 
that's paying the same amount into Social Security or 160000 they're paying the same amount into it as a person making a million dollars, two million, three million, forty million, or fifty million, like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. All right, half a half a billion or a billion dollars, like uh, some of these rich hedge funds hedge fund guys. So to me, it's simple: get rid of the pay, get rid of the cap. Don't raise it; just get rid of it. All right, and, and and I think that would go a long, long way to solving the problem with Social Security, and it would not impact any of the lower wage people, it wouldn't impact the middle-class people because right now the social security tax is considered regressive because the percentage of income that goes towards social security is much higher for everybody at, at making 160 and less. Okay. than it is for somebody making a half a million or a million or 2 million or 20 million a year. The percentage of their income that goes to it is far smaller, mm-hmm. which is considered the regressive aspect of it. Well, so, so Kevin, are they, I mean, are they, has, has it actually been considered? I know it's kind of a topic that's yeah. been bandied about, um, but but again, what what's the what's the downside to that? I guess I don't see it. The the one of the arguments against doing it is you know that uh, uh, as of right now, they're saying that they so so what are you going to do? You're going to make so the question is so you're going to make the guy making a half a million or a million five million ten million pay so much more into the program, but we're not going to give him any more money for Social Security in terms of a payout when they're retired, right? Because well, there's yeah, a max. That's there's right. a max. That's, and I think and, that should be too. And I, I think it should be too, because my point is, okay, how did you make this money? It, you made it in this country, right? You benefited from being in this country, right? Is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so your business benefited, your wealth came about most likely because of the benefits of being in this wonderful country. So I, I don't see anything wrong with paying more towards the programs and the fact of the matter is the people that are at the higher levels, they're the ones that can afford it. All right. And so, um, you know, you know, they get a hell of a break on their Medicare premiums because, you know, you, you know, the, the Medicare, if you make too much money, it, it starts, I think, around 170000 or something for a couple yeah. that they start to increase the amount of money you pay for your Medicare. All right. That would be my counter argument to these folks not getting a bigger benefit because they get a heck of a, a hell of a benefit yeah. because, you can have a guy making far, far more than the highest income bracket, but their Medicare costs don't go up anymore, right? They're capped out too, so they're getting they're getting a great deal on that um, versus if uh, versus you know what it, what it costs other people. Sure. So, but that's that's part of the argument, um, and and but then there's a couple of proposals right now. I believe it's Bernie Sanders and one other guy uh, that has some legislation that's uh, calling for it to be taxed at two hundred thousand and above. So again, they want to create this stupid legislation that creates another donut hole, right? So, so between 160 and 200, you wouldn't pay, and then over 200, you pay. And, and I just don't. Well, get that's it. just silly, right? <laughs> it's just, it's just silly. Come on, just get rid of the damn, get rid of the cap. Yeah. There's an, there's another one out there that starts it again at 400,000. All right. So they don't pay between 160 and 400, but then over 400, they'll pay again. And, and so obviously what they're trying to do is play politics with it. They're saying, hey, there's a bunch of people that might be in that, you know, that window that, you know, 160 to four or 160 to two. It, it's just political nonsense. It's silly. Just eliminate the cap. Yeah. Get rid of it. Done. And, and, and boom, we could we, we could extend Social Security, I'll bet, for at least another decade if they just did that one move. Look at what we did. Look at the problem we solved, Kevin. Right. I know. <laughs> See, that's the thing. 
they just need to call us. Just call us. Exactly. We can fix. We can fix these problems, right? <laughs> well, it doesn't seem so difficult for some of these things, and I, and I realize that it's it's politics, and the wheels turn very slowly, and oh, yeah. it's frustrating. It, it it is it is frustrating. If there if there was a way we could eliminate, uh, you know, lobbyists and groups from contributing to these to the politicians' campaigns, and to finding ways to enrich them. I think we'd have a lot better political system. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's that's what's move that's what moves the needle, folks, is who's contributing the money and what is it you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately. But listen, let's 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 move on a little bit. I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, there there's there's a lot of folks um when they're planning on getting to re- when they're planning on retiring, uh, they don't realize a lot of them until until like they get past the age of fifty, and then a lot of them are like, Holy cow, I'm not that far away from retirement, but I don't have nearly enough money saved. Yes. And, right? Yeah. And and I, I, I wish everybody would really have that, have, you know, get, have that light bulb go off when they're, you know, 25. Um, but uh, I know it's difficult. I was that age once too, you know, and, and, it, and it can be hard to look at retirement because it seems so far off and, um, it, and it can be difficult. But guys, if you're approaching 65 and you're saying, you know what, I just plan on keeping on working. All right. Uh, you want to realize that, that uh, I believe less than 20% of the people over 65 are still working. Uh, and a lot, and it's not all because they've just got plenty of money and they don't have to. A lot of people, I think about a third of retirees had to stop working because of a health issue. Not, not because of anything they saw coming, not, not something they wanted, but they physically just became unable to work anymore. Right. And it was their, their, their health forced them to retire. And so in that situation, if you haven't yet saved enough money and your health goes downhill, you're going to, you, you could be facing some serious problems, right? Mm-hmm. And and so what, uh, so I, I, I always caution everybody to, you know, if, if you're fortunate that you have an office job, like I, I will tell people, you guys might've heard me say it. I do plan on working until I'm in my early, you know, until I'm 70, but guys, I'm sitting at a desk. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You I'm know, and, at a desk. And, you, and you take care of yourself physically. Yes. It, it, I, 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 yes, I appreciate this. I do. I do my best to take care of myself. I actually, I actually really enjoy working out. I've done it all my life since I was like 10, 11 years old. Yeah. So so I enjoy going to the gym. I love getting a good sweat on and, and, and I really, you know, I try to watch what I eat and keep myself in good shape because I've seen so many people that are, that are older individuals and, and they're, and they're overweight and they have trouble doing everything. They, they just walking is, is difficult, you know, and getting up out of a chair, they can't get up out of a chair without, without grabbing onto the rails. And, and, and I, I think that, um, that's not a state that I personally want to be in. All right. So I think if I think if you can keep yourself in good shape, keep yourself fit, it also help, help it helps mentally too. Oh yeah, like one of big, the best, cut, big deal. Big time. One of the best things about working out for me is the mental break. It I it it's that's how I relieve stress. Yeah. I relieve a I, I relieve a ton of stress. I go to the gym. I get my mind out of everything else, uh, you know, everything in the world and I'm just focused on what I'm doing. It is a fantastic stress reliever and you get the benefit of, you know, the physical exercise. Um, so I, I think it's a win-win. I would encourage everybody to do it. Right. Yeah. And, and so, but be really careful if your plan, especially if you're, if, if you're, a, if you've got a physical job and you plan on working well into your sixties, you know, try to do everything you can to save as much as you can, because I'd hate to see a health problem, you know, force you into retirement before you wanted to retire. Well, I thought the, the, the statistic that you threw out there was that only 20% of the people who wanted to work past 65 actually are. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big number. I mean, a pretty you know low number of people that are actually working versus how many people think they're going to be. 
Oh, it, it is no question about it. And, and, and we all know there's different, all sorts of circumstances come up. You know, we, we, uh, uh, some people are calling them the sandwich generation because they might have, they might have uh, parents mm-hmm. that are still, still alive. But if they're 65, they're maybe dad's 90 years old or something. And, and so they're acting as a caregiver for one of their parents, maybe. Um, and, and that also could present a situation where you need more money, right? Because if your parents run out of money, who's going to help, who's going to pay for the facility they have to stay at. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressures, right? Um, and a lot of, uh, obligations that we have to meet. One of the best ways you can do it is, is don't put off saving for retirement, start saving as soon as you can, even if it's 50 bucks, you know, just put it away, save it and keep on doing it. Obviously, whatever you can save um, is good. And I would like everybody, when, when you're looking at that paycheck, the first thing you should be thinking about is how much you can save. Not how, not how much you spend, not the new house you can buy if you got a raise. It's how much more can you save? And, and, and I'll tell you something that really gets me excited is paying off the mortgage. You know, I've, I had a mortgage all my life, finally paid it off. I'm like, oh my, I mean, it is just such a sense of relief. Oh yeah, you, I can imagine. That, right, that you don't have this albatross hanging around your neck anymore. Right. You know, and, and what it's doing for me, it's got, it has got my monthly, uh, for lack of my monthly bills, I call it my monthly nut for lack, yeah. lack of a better way of saying it, all right, is the lowest it's ever been. The lowest ever, my entire adult life. Uh, aside from when I was a kid living on my parents, yeah, <laughs> my right. parents made, <laughs> well, my parents made the bills. Yeah. All right. But, but we know that's not going to happen again. All right. So, so, but, but what it does is, is it frees up, you know, the mentality, it relieves stress. And now every extra dollar that I have is going a hundred percent of it's going to retirement. And, and that really excites me. And, and I think that the, to me, the best position you can get in is to go into retirement without any debts of any kind. So no student loans, no mortgage, no car loan. Um, and, and so that will give you the lowest possible monthly expenses, which means, of course, that we don't have to be bringing in, you know, $15,000 a month just for you to survive in retirement. Yeah. All right. And, and so that, that's how I like to do it. And I also, I, and I can't stand the idea of paying interest to somebody else. I think if, when, if you would pull out your mortgage statement and look at how much of every payment goes towards interest, that's actually what got me motivated to pay mine, to pay mine off. I understand. When you start, Right. When you see oh, I'm paying a thousand dollars a month, just in interest. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Gotta, you know, I've got to do something. You, you, you should do something about that. I personally like everybody to be debt free when they go into retirement. Yeah. Well, it's all that's certainly the goal that we that most of us have going in. And, and um, in your experience, Kevin, how often does that happen? Uh, with, you know, with my experience, it's probably 75 or 80 percent. OK, of my well, clients. that's good. You know, it is the it is by far the majority. OK, um, good. No, no question about it. And I mean, I, I'll tell you what, there's, there's a lot of advisors that, that are recommending to pay off your mortgage by the time you're 50. All right. The, oh, the I know. Idea, you know, the idea of carrying a mortgage into retirement, I think it's the mortgage brokers that are pushing that idea. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's the people selling mortgages that want you to have a mortgage all your, your entire existence. Sure. All right. Um, I think the sooner you can pay it off, the better. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be very happy that you did. All right. And uh, one other thing, though, with, with Social Security, I, I understand there's still, I believe it's 25 to 30% of the population is still claiming Social Security on the very first day they can when they turn 62, all right? And guys, if you do that, you're, you're committing yourself, you're signing up for a reduced check for the rest of your life because your check is going to be reduced for each month um, that you're below the full retirement age, whether that's 66 or 67 for most of us now. Uh, so you're going to have a, you, I, I believe it's what, maybe a third, uh, 30, 32, 33%, I think less 
than if you waited until your full retirement age. All right. So my suggestion is let's try to build a bridge, try to build, let's sit down and figure out how we can build a bridge, an income bridge for you. Like, let's say you want to retire at 62. And so we figure out how you can pay your bills and do what you want to do for those years from 62 to 67, when you're going to claim your social security. All right. And I think that's a much better way to do it. And the, and the reason is because I, I would ask you, what investment do you have that's guaranteed 8% per year? Anybody um, tell anybody tell me any anything? Anybody? Let me check. Oh, yeah, none. <laughs> none, right? That's the answer. The answer is none, guys, none. There is nothing uh, legitimate that I'm aware of um, that, that is paying an 8% guaranteed return, all right? But you know what? Social Security goes up roughly 8% for every year that you wait, and yes, it's guaranteed. At least as of right now, it's guaranteed. Yes, of okay? course, yeah. So, so to me, the best thing you can do is just let that keep growing. And personally, what I'm doing, I, my plan is to wait until 70. Um, now, it's important that you look at, if you're married, that you look at uh, both of your earnings history. And whoever's going to get the bigger check, all right, that, pers that person, in my opinion, is much, much better off waiting until you're 70 or as long as possible, Okay. Because when one of when the first person passes away, the survivor is going to get the bigger check. He or she will not get both checks. They're only going to get the bigger of the two checks. All right. So so if, if I'm fortunate to live long enough that I don't have to claim until I'm 70, then when I do pass away, whoever passes away first between me and my wife will get that bigger check. Right. Yeah. So it's not so it's not just about me. Right. It's about me and my wife. And, and I want to make sure that we're both covered. Um, so that's, so that's my personal plan. That's what we're doing. Uh, and I'll tell you, I've talked about it a few times. I really like annuities, uh, for, for additional sources of income because with, with an annuity, you're, you're essentially paying the insurance company to guarantee that they are going to keep paying you. Even if your account goes to zero, that's what you're paying for. You're paying, you're transferring the risk of losing that income. You're transferring it to the insurance company. So think about when you buy auto insurance or homeowners insurance or health, medical health insurance, mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're paying a fee to transfer the risk to the insurance company. So if your car gets in a wreck or, you know, tornado knocks off your roof, you know, the insurance company is going to step in and they're going to pay it and they're going to help you take care of it because you paid to transfer that risk to them, right? It's the same thing with an income annuity. You're paying the insurance company a fee. And in exchange, they are taking on the risk of paying you that money every single month for as long as you live, even if you live to 110 and your account value went to zero when you're 87. Okay. That's what you're paying them for. So if you think that if, if it looks like you've got good longevity in your family, I'd ask you to look at, look at your parents. How long did they live? What age did they pass? Look at your siblings and, and your, your other relatives. If you have longevity, if you have a lot of people in your family that live past 90, I would strongly suggest taking a look at these as a piece, right? As a piece of your retirement portfolio. It's obviously not the whole thing, just like I wouldn't tell you to put all your money in the stock market, but I think it can make sense for a part of your portfolio. All right. Personally, I like all the different assets. I like stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Uh, I, I, I like, I like annuities. I like them for in, for income and I like them for safety. And, you know, and I happen to like gold too, for what it's worth. So I like, all these different investments, you know, that's how you build a diversified portfolio so we can make sure you've got the income that you need, but you've also got the inflation hedges because stocks can be a, are a tremendous hedge against inflation, right? 
for the last hundred years, stocks have gone up roughly 10%, including dividends. All right. Nothing else has done that. So this proven to be a good hedge against inflation. And so I think it makes sense for even a retiree to have some money still in the stock market as long as you're comfortable with the risk. All right. Man, that sounds good. 800-975-6717. Folks, if you want to give Kevin a call, that's how you can do it. 800-975-6717. Or you can just visit silverleaffinancial.com. There's a lot of reasons to do that. Uh, One, you can learn about Kevin. Two, you can get his book, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. And you'll learn stuff because Kevin shares uh, your your thoughts, your opinions, your kind of where your gut's at. That's it. That, that, you know what? That's what I try to do. I, I like to do the podcast, guys, because I think it's a good way that you can listen to somebody and see if they're a good fit. You know, see if see if your your thoughts align and, and see if it might make sense to have another conversation. So I hope you find the show is the show is helpful. Uh, one quick point. The stock market is, is is actually looking better. All right. It's looking much better than it did just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not sounding the all clear, but it is looking much better. If we can hold above thirty nine hundred on the S&P. I, I I think we can uh, you know, we might wind up having a good uh, good summertime here. So well, yeah, because now it's up over four today as we record this, and and um, so yeah, that's good, right? I mean, that's a good thing. It, that that thirty nine is, is sort of that that that's the benchmark, so to speak, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just below thirty nine hundred. You know, we're looking at uh, you know we're looking at charts and graphs and coming up with the average prices, and and but but it is really looking much better. The short term trend has finally you know gone above the longer term trend which from a trading standpoint is very favorable. And April is actually the second best month of the year. So it's shaping up. We might have a very good April here. It's our, well, you have to wait and see. All right. No, no April Fool's joke there. No, no, <laughs> no joke there. Not at all. all right. Well, hey, this has been fun, Kevin. I mean, we really covered a lot of ground today. Oh, uh, we, we, we did. And, and uh, guys, by all means, if, you, if you'd like to talk, certainly feel free to give me a call or uh, send me an email. I'm happy to answer any questions. And I hope everybody has a fantastic April right around the corner. Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, host, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today 
800-975-6717. Do it today.